How many games will the Bills win in 2023? What are the key dynamics in play? I'm sharing my final thoughts entering 2023 today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, folks, this is going to be our last preview-like discussion before we really shift our attention to the Buffalo Bills matchup in Week 1 against the New York Jets. And because it's on... Monday Night Football, it gives us a little bit more of a runway. And I want to spend this last preview podcast, if you will, for the season, answering some big questions. That first question being, how many games are the Bills going to win in 2023? I want to give you my thoughts on that and then get into some of the specific dynamics, my prevailing thoughts as the Bills are getting ready to play this year. What are those big things that are on my mind as I consider what this football team can accomplish. And so this episode is going to feel really random. I'm going to come at it from a bunch of different angles. I'm going to share a bunch of thoughts. I guess consider it a final thought dump entering 2023, but we are going to get into a lot of different topics today. But the most important one, the first thing that I want to get into is simply how many games are the Buffalo Bills going to win in 23? What are my expectations? How do I see this all playing out? And so you could go and you could pick the Bills. You can go win game by game and say win or loss, and that'll give you a record. But what I've learned that's difficult about that is it never really just goes that way. You know, you just never know when the Bills are going to have a stinker and lose to the Jaguars. Never know when the Chiefs are going to have a stinker and lose to the Colts. This stuff happens. And so I want to look at it in chunks and say, well, this stretch of games, I think they'll have about this many wins. And so let's do it like that. I think that's the best way to do it. Now, one thing that I'll say before I do kind of go into this, as I was looking through Mike Clay's season projections, Mike Clay's with ESPN, he does a great job. And he gave the Bills a better than 50% chance of winning every single game at this point in the season, except for the Chiefs. And I think it was like a 47% win probability chance. And so he thinks that the Bills are going to have a better than 50% chance of winning every single game. And I think expectations should be high for the Bills. It's weird to me that this team went from the darlings of the NFL, everybody's Super Bowl pick, to, well, are they going to win their division? Could they be on the outside looking in? Like, what happened? The roster's better. It's deeper. They just didn't meet your expectation last year to the fullest, despite going 13-3. and three losing three games by a combined eight points, running out of gas in the playoffs due to a ton of adversity. 
that's what happens, right? The Bills had their moment. They had their moment where they were the darlings in everyone's eyes. And they went out there and went 13-3. and And everyone's lasting impression is a 27-10 home playoff loss in the snow to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think everyone has massively overcorrected to that. And now everybody wants the new shiny thing, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Dolphins. I don't know. I still think the AFC is about the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills. So we'll see. There's other good teams out there. I'm not taking anything away from any team. But how the perception and even expectations have shifted in the eyes of so many for no legitimate reason that makes sense to me. It's not because the talent's not as good as it was last year. That's certainly not the case. So what is it? Let's talk about this 2023 schedule. The Bills' first four games at the Jets, home against the Raiders, at the Commanders, home against Miami. That looks like a 4-0 stretch to me. Probably at worst, 3-1. But the Bills should come out of that opening stretch of games 4-0 or 3-1. I think that's very reasonable. Two home games. Your first game is against the Jets. We're going to talk about that a ton in the coming days, starting tomorrow with crossover Thursday, then my primer on Friday. Plenty to say about the Jets. But I think you catch them at a good time. I think it's going to be a good football team. they got a good defense. Aaron Rodgers is a heck of an upgrade at quarterback from Zach Wilson and Mike White and Joe Flacco. But getting them in week one at their place, all the pressures on them, I like it. What's your toughest game? Miami, but you get them at home. It's a 4-0 or a 3-1 stretch to me. Then you get to the next four games. Jacksonville in London. Home against the Giants. At New England. Home against Tampa Bay. This looks like another 4-0. At worst, 3-1 stretch to me. Hardest game is probably Jacksonville. Neutral site game. Weird dynamics there. They play in London the week before. And... Are they at an advantage because they've been more acclimated to the time shift and the dynamics of being in London, or are they just ready to get home? Who knows? That's definitely the toughest game. Giants at home at New England, home against Tampa. That feels like a 4-0 to a 3-1 stretch. So I think coming out of the first eight games of the year, the Bills are either 8-0, 7-1, or 6-2. I think that's kind of where I expect them to be at that point. Eight games in, you're either 8-0, 7-1, or 6-2. I'd be disappointed if they were worse than 6-2. Then you have the next stretch of games. At Cincinnati, home against Denver, home against the Jets, at the Eagles. You got two games right here in this stretch that really fascinate me. At Cincy and at Philly. Obviously, I'm excited to see what the Bills do in round two against Cincinnati, what they've learned from that matchup. And then the Eagles, to me, are just such a great measuring stick. I think they present some unique challenges with their dual-threat quarterback, with their very talented O-line and D-line. And if the Bills are going to win the whole thing, there's a good chance it's against Philly or it's against San Francisco, right? I think those are very clearly the best two teams in the NFC. Maybe Dallas is in that conversation. But after you get past thinking about the Bengals and Chiefs, well, there's the NFC elite teams that you have to deal with to win it all. 
And seeing them against Philly is going to be telling for me. So what happens in this stretch? I think there's a wide range of outcomes in this stretch of games. Two and two feels most likely. Could I see it being worse than two and two? I certainly hope not. I think you should win at least two games out of that stretch, but I think two and two feels the most likely. Could they go three and one? Yeah, they could go four and oh, sure. Could they go one and three? Yikes, maybe. I think two and two is most likely. So that puts them at nine and three, 10 and two at this point in the season, something like that. Then you have the bye week. And then you have your final stretch of games, your last five at Kansas City, home against Dallas, at the Chargers, home against New England, at Miami. Tough stretch and a defining stretch. If I have the Bills in going into this stretch at like nine and three, ten and two, something like that, you've got enough of a buffer. But you also need to go out there and prove it against some of these really good teams. You don't. The last thing I want to do is for the Bills to wind up going like twelve and five, right? Okay, great. Twelve and five is a good record. But your five losses are at Cincinnati, at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, at Miami, and Jacksonville, right? Like, oh, congrats! You just lost all your hardest games. No, I want the Bills to go out there and beat some of those teams. Of course, we do, right? So what happens in the stretch? At Kansas City, Dallas, at LA Chargers, New England, at Miami. Defining stretch. Could they go three and two? Two and three, something like that. And if it goes something like how I think it's going to, the Bills come out of this with 11, 12, or 13 wins. That's kind of the range that I'm expecting. Between 11 and 13 wins. I think that's the sweet spot for where I would project the Bills. Are they capable of winning more games than that? Sure tougher schedule this year. But I think 11 to 13 wins is my expectation for the Bills. I also think they're going to win the AFC East. You talk about the Dolphins, I think they're the biggest threat to the Bills. But they're also a team that is really relying on staying healthy. We Certainly, that conversation goes to Tua. He has to prove he can stay healthy. But they have other injury-prone players that are key players for them. Teron Armstead, their left tackle. Raheem Mostert, their lead running back, he's got durability concerns. Jalen Ramsey's going to be out to like December right now. David Long, their middle linebacker. Bradley Chubb, edge rusher. Xavier Howard, right? He's always kind of banged up. Like some of their key players are just high variance when it comes to availability. They stay healthy. I think they got the stuff to really challenge in the division. So I think the Dolphins are the biggest threat, but I still think that they're more of a 9-11 to win team, and I think the Bills are more of a 10-13 to win team, or 11-13 to win team, excuse me. The Jets, defense is loaded. Aaron Rodgers, offensive line questions. Are, are their playmakers that good? After Garrett Wilson, are, are they that good? A lot has to come together there quickly. And they got a tough, tough opening stretch. I mean, their opening stretch of games is very difficult. It would not surprise me to, be, to see them 2-4. and four through their first six, and then it softens up. But can they go on a run? We'll see. But I think of the of the Jets as kind of a 9, 10, 11 win team as well. And then New England, I think New England's clearly the worst team in the division. Now, I think they have a high floor because of Belichick. I think Belichick's a good coach. I think he's a terrible general manager. They're probably going to win seven, eight, nine games, something like that. 
but they haven't looked competitive against the Bills in four years. And so I still think the Bills win this division. I think it's more competitive than usual. I think the Dolphins are the biggest threat. I, I respect what the Jets have going. And if New England was really in this at the end of the season, I'd be pretty surprised. So that's what I'm anticipating. 11 to 13 wins and a fourth consecutive AFC East division title with the full opportunity to go all the way if you get the job done in the postseason. And time will tell on that. All right, folks, I want to get into some of my offensive takes here in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you about Harry's. You know, folks, I may have a beard, but I still have to shave. You can't be having neck beard. You can't have the cheek fuzz or else that just looks sloppy. And my go-to for a great shave at a great price is a razor from Harry's delivered right to my front door. I love that part. I really enjoyed using Harry's razors. And you have to check out their starter set. Head over to harrys.com slash NFL, harrys.com slash NFL. And you can get a starter set for just $3. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. And Harry's makes skincare products that will give you the best shave you've ever had. And they have creams, washes, and lotions that will keep your skin healthy and hydrated. And folks, the razors are sharp. The eighth shave with a razor is just as sharp as the first. So there's no reason for you not to try Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're offering a no-risk trial. So get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. All right, let's talk about some offensive things. And being mindful of earlier this week, I gave you all of my offensive statistical predictions for every single player on the offense. So I don't want to get too much into that because I've already done that, but I have some high level thoughts and I have some of those predictions for production that I do want to bring up. One of them being Josh Allen. I predicted Josh Allen to have a career high in passing yards and touchdowns. I predicted 4,712 passing yards and 38 touchdowns for Josh Allen. Very high in what Josh can do. No longer his first year with Ken Dorsey as the play caller. He's got more around him, right? I think that's very evident. It's not just Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, figure it out. There's way more depth to these playmakers. There's two new starters on the offensive line. Spencer Brown in year three. It should lead to Josh Allen having potentially his most productive year yet. I predicted Stefan Diggs to break the NFL or the Bills, excuse me, single season receiving touchdown record with 12. I've been all over that for a few years. He got close. He tied it last year with 11. I think he gets 12 this year. I predicted four players to go north of 500 receiving yards. I had Steph Diggs, Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis, and Dalton Kincaid all going over 500 receiving yards. When's the last time the Bills had four 500 yard receivers. And I, sir, I mean, I had digs well over a thousand. I had Davis close to a thousand and Knox and Kincaid with over 500 each. And they also predicted over 1200 yards from scrimmage from James Cook. Some people thought that wasn't enough. I don't know. I think the bills are going to be mindful of not overdoing it with James Cook. You know, a guy that hasn't ever been a high volume ball carrier throughout his college or pro career. and he doesn't necessarily have that type of frame, right? He's like 5'11", 195. That's not the type of 
frame that you say, you know what, give this guy 250 to 350 touches. I think they're going to be mindful of that. And they have the depth at running back to not overdo it with James Cook. So I think he'll have a healthy amount of production, but I'm not seeing the 300 touches that some people are saying. I just, that, that just, I don't, I don't expect that at all. I also think the Bills are going to have a top three scoring offense in the NFL once again, which is consistent with the last three years. They've been a top three scoring offense each of the last three seasons. I don't think that changes this coming year. I think they're going to score around 500 points on offense. But just some general thoughts outside of the predictions that I've made statistically, you know, the Bills scoring around 500 points, all that. I've already talked about Josh Allen. I'm excited for him this year. I think the talent around him is much better than it was last year. Being with Dorsey for another season matters a ton. You know, another underrated point with the Bills offensive coaching staff last year is you had a new O-line coach, a new play caller, a new quarterbacks coach. Those are like the the big pillars of offensive coaching. You had all of that new last year. You could see that all taking a step forward this year. But as you consider how can Josh Allen be better in 2023, it goes right back to me believing that the team has to be better around him. And I think they're positioned to be much better around him. I'm excited about these tight ends, folks. I mean, I predicted the Bills tight ends to combine for over 1,000 receiving yards in 2023. Only four teams in the NFL last year got 1,000 or more yards from their tight ends. I think the Bills do that this year with Knox and Kincaid and sprinkle in whatever you get from Q Morris. The Bills got 677 receiving yards from tight ends last year. That was 24th in the NFL, bottom 25% of the league production from tight ends. I'm talking a huge shift, potentially into the top five. Massive new wrinkle to what they're going to do. And I think restoring that middle of the field route running dynamic that Kincaid brings back to this football team is going to matter so much, and it's going to be a huge benefit to Gabe Davis. And I'm hoping that it leads to more efficiency for Gabe Davis and more concerns for opposing defenses as they try to really focus in on Stephon Diggs. I'm excited about the wide receivers. Um, More depth here, right? Last year was was a, a tough experiment that I think was miscalculated. And I was critical of that before the season started where you had Steph Diggs, but then it was, okay, you lose Emmanuel Sanders. And you just bump Gabe Davis up a, ro- a roll, and you lose Cole Beasley, and you bump Isaiah McKenzie up a roll, and it's like, man, I don't know. And then it turned out about how I thought it would. But this year, Davis not coming off of a four touchdown performance in the playoffs where everybody thought he was going to be this massive superstar. I think there's some delayed gratification that's going to come there this year with better efficiency. But it's not Isaiah McKenzie and maybe Jamison Crowder and Jake Kumaro anymore. That's not the depth of the Bills receivers. It's Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir in year two. There's more depth to this receiver core, more versatility, more skill sets. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the running back room, a really different makeup of this running back room. I think there's a lot of assumption out there that like, oh, Devin Singletary, he's gone. Not a, not a big deal. He's a pretty good back, but he wasn't that important. 
James Cook, second round pick. He was flashy last year, got better throughout the season. There's more to it than that. I mean, you have a new primary ball carrier for your offensive rushing attack. That's di- it's very different, a very different skill set in James Cook than Devin Singletary, a much more dynamic athlete, much bigger play, big play threat. That's going to be fun to see how that unleashes in this offense. We haven't seen that since Shady McCoy. And what happened when the Bills had Shady McCoy? They had like the best rushing offense in the league with Aaron Cromer. I'm excited about that, but also the skill sets behind James Cook and Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. The Bills haven't had those types of backs, those downhill bangers to get up, get the tough yards to close out football games. I'm excited for that. And then the offensive line, two new guards this year, Osiris Torrance, Connor McGovern. I mean, that's a pretty big turnover. You get two new starters on your offensive line. You wanted the offensive line to be better. You got two new starters. The biggest contract they gave to a player outside the organization this offseason was Connor McGovern at guard, and they picked Osiris Torrance in the second round. I've said it before. The biggest black eye on Brandon Bean's resume and being the GM of the Buffalo Bills has been the guard position where there has been zero stability, just none whatsoever. Has not had a primary starter year over year at left guard or right guard. And, and in many cases, a ton of turnover with even within the same season. I think you finally have some stability there. And everyone's concerned about Spencer Brown. Me too. But can we just have a moment of just honesty about Spencer Brown? Has he proven to be a quality starter? No. But he's not the worst football player in the world. There are teams with worse starting right tackles than Spencer Brown. Oh, by the way, Spencer Brown has been the primary starting right tackle over the last two seasons, and the Bills have had a had a top three scoring offense with Spencer Brown at right tackle over the last two seasons. They're pretty used to dealing with Spencer Brown at right tackle. Now, leave room for the fact that he might get better this year. And I've been through it a million times how and why he could get better. I'm concerned. Him really taking a step would be huge for the offense, but like, it's not new information that Spencer Brown needs to get better. He started; he's been the primary starter the last two years, and the Bills have somehow been able to have a top three scoring offense. Year three for him. I think there's, I know there's people concerned about the offensive line, but it, 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 there's reason to believe it could be a lot better with Cromer in year two and two new guards and Spencer Brown in year three. I'm excited for it. I think this offense is going to be good. Maybe you want to get to a game this year. You got to check out the game time app, buying tickets to your favorite events. Shouldn't be stressful, but sometimes it is. Game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over getting tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Folks, the Game Time app is awesome. They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. I love this. They have images of seat views, so you know exactly what it's going to look like when you get to the stadium. The app is super easy to navigate, and they send the tickets directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through emails to find the tickets. They go right to your phone. Super easy to use, so check it out. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. 
Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, folks, let's close it out with some defensive thoughts. My first thought here with the Bills' defense that I want to get into is I think they're going to get some sacks this year. I'm not sure they're going to get like 50 or 60 sacks or anything like that, but I think this will be the most sacks in a season yet under Sean McDermott. And in 2017, they had 27. In 2018, they had 36. In 2019, they had 44. In 2020, they had 38. In 2021, they had 42. And last year, they had 40. So I'm predicting at least 45 sacks for the Bills' defense this year. And I'll go a step further. At least 10 of those sacks come from Greg Rousseau. I think Greg Rousseau is going to have a big year this year. I don't know if anyone else will get to 10. I think Leonard Floyd will have seven or eight. And Oliver, five or six. Von Miller, when he gets back, I'm sure he'll get he'll get his. But I think there's going to be an aggressiveness to this defense. I think they're going to play for negative plays. I think you're going to see a ton of production from the back seven in terms of sacks with some of the blitzes and simulated pressures. I think Jordan Poyer is going to have some sacks. Taron Johnson. McDermott's going to send these guys. And so I think you're going to see 45 or more sacks from this Bills defense in 2023. Another thought that I have with the Bills defense is that I think the Bills are going to have a top 10 defense again this year, but it's probably closer to 10 than it is to one. Now, keep in mind, they've been top two in three of the last four years. But they have a tougher schedule. They're playing better quarterbacks. And I think it's going to be hard to really keep the clamps on teams during the regular season like they have consistently over the last four years. So I think they're going to have a top 10 defense, but I'm not sure it's one, two, three, or four. I think it's maybe six, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Some other thoughts on the defense. I like this defensive line rotation. I think it's the deepest they've had yet. Five deep at defensive tackle is really good. Puna Ford being part of this mix. And then on the edge, I mean, when you have Von Miller back in week five or six, whenever that's going to be, Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, that's a good top three, folks. That's a good top three. Then A.J. Epinesa, and then it probably Shaq Lawson. See what happens with Kingsley Jonathan. More depth in talent than ever before under Sean McDermott when it comes to this edge rusher group and a defensive tackle. Linebacker is a big one, right? Matt Milano, that guy's good, but how do they work around the Mike position? And what happens here? You know, Tyrell Dotson's gotten the reps late into camp and throughout preseason. Not excited about him, but the mystery box is Terrell Bernard, the second round or the second year, third round pick. I wish we could have seen him in preseason, but because he's the mystery box that didn't look terrible in preseason because he didn't play, he comes across as appealing. Is the hamstring healthy? Is he ready to go? And then Christian Kirksey on this practice squad, who's the savvy vet, been around the league for a long time, knows Poyer, knows Hyde. You feel like he's kind of got the makeup of a guy that can step in at some point soon. But do you get to that point where you have to do that? Does Terrell Bernard just kind of take hold of this? 
are there wrinkles schematically that Sean McDermott has to overcome this through Taylor Rapp and three safety sets? That whole situation fascinates me. And the last thing I want to say here, and if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see on the graphic on today's show, the last bullet point is don't forget about dot, dot, dot. And this is what I want to bring up right here. The secondary. There is a lot of continuity with these guys. Trey White, Taron Johnson, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. That's four of your five starters in the secondary. All of those guys have been together since 2018. And most of them since 2017. Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. All of them since 2017. White, Johnson, Hyde, and Poyer since 2018. Sprinkle and Dane Jackson hits his fourth year with these players. Christian Benford, Kyrie Elam, obviously second-year players, but you got a bunch of guys that have a lot of experience together playing defense. And secondary, you know, we talk about the offensive line as five guys working together as one. In some ways, the same can be said about pass coverage, where everyone has to fulfill their assignments, understand the objectives of the coverage scheme that you're running, what the leverage is supposed to be, and where you're supposed to take away throws. These guys have done it together for a long time. And, you know, we really didn't see the best of Trey White last year, but all indications are that he's ready to go and get back to being an all-pro. Micah Hyde obviously missed him last year, but he's healthy, and the last time he was on the field, it was an all-pro. Poyer, what he did last year with not the players he expects to be around him, around him, and still finding production, and him having to deal with his own injuries, these guys should hit the ground running this year. And those guys are smart football players that have been together for a long time in this system with these coaches. And I think that's going to be a major asset to this defense behind what I've already talked about is an extremely deep D-line rotation. See what happens at middle linebacker. I didn't mean for this podcast to just be a big hype session, but this is what's on my mind with this team. This is why when I tell you, I'm like, more optimistic about the team right now at this point than I was last year. This is the stuff that's on my mind. This is what's influencing that opinion. So I'm excited. I'm excited for what's coming here. Uh, tomorrow we start talking about the Jets. Crossover Thursday, John Butchko and I, John's the host of Locked On Jets. We're going to have a conversation about this football game. Friday is going to be the in-depth primer. I love doing the primers. I know you guys like them as well. Um, and so you are going to be ready for this football game on Monday um, after our conversation on Friday from, you know, we're going to break down everything about that matchup. So buckle up for that. I can't wait for it. Other content that's coming your way. I'm on WGR 8 a.m. Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time every Wednesday. So that's coming up. Depending on when you're listening to this, I'm going to drop it on Tuesday afternoon, uh, but it technically serves as the Wednesday podcast. Um, so every Wednesday, 8 a.m. I'm on WGR. And then Thursday, I'm on Bleacher Report. Thursday, September 7th, 3 p.m. Eastern time. I'm doing a Bills stream for Bleacher Report. Going to talk about some bold predictions for the season. So check that out again. Thursday, the 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. In addition to, of course, your regularly scheduled programming here on Locked on Bills. So plenty of content, plenty of stuff to talk about. We're here, folks. The games are here. A regular season to play and a football team to talk about. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you are subscribed. We'd love it. If you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast, have a great rest of your day. Go Bills!
and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.